Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome into another edition of the Jamie Sports News Podcast. I'm Bennett Conlin, joined by Jack Fitzpatrick. Got that right there. First take today. We messed it up. We got bracket reaction. We'll talk a little bit of basketball. We're going to try to keep it pretty short, but figured we should have one in here. Some people maybe traveling for Thanksgiving too could give it a listen. Yeah, I think normally we skip the Thanksgiving week podcast, but I'm not sure that it normally completely lines up this way where we record. Maybe we just don't do bracket reactions, and now this year we feel it yeah. necessary. It must be something. But before we get into all of that, it's Thanksgiving. Oh, this is our first ever ad read. I got to I got to say this first. First ad read. Thanks to believe. Um, normally, you hear the dulcet tones of my voice doing an anchor read uh, before everything. But it's Thanksgiving, and we all know what that means. Football. Nothing goes better with football than turkey and betting. Um, maybe a little bit of stuffing. A little bit of. Um, green bean casserole but i guess betting too bet online has you covered all holiday season more props odds and lines than ever before bet online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this thanksgiving real quick you got the lions on thursday you got them winning i think i'm gonna take lions money line yes all right perfect head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus with promo code believe that's a 50% welcome bonus with promo code believe it's not just football bet online also has pro and college hoops NHL boxing UFC and even your favorite Vegas casino games don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available this season bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports all right with all that out of the way what are we betting to win the uh, the FCS national championship uh, that's a great question, Jack. I really have no idea with this. Um, I don't know. I'll swing it to you. Who do you think if you had a gun to your head? Gun to my and, head, uh, South Dakota State. We just talked about this right before. Really? Unseated right. South Dakota State. Is Unseated. We just talked about this off air right before it. We'll get into why I don't think JMU's winning it, and JMU fans might be up in arms right now. I think South Dakota State has a very easy path to get to the championship game, and I think they have a pretty good path at winning it. Can you imagine if someone did that gun to your head thing? Like someone kidnaps you and they're like, I'm going to kill you unless you name the FCS national champion. People always do that with sports. Like gun to your head, who wins the NBA finals? It's like, what situation would a gun be? Like what a, what a lunatic that person Why is be. this so important that a gun has to be to my head? Because you need my opinion on this. <laughs> exactly. But I actually kind of like South Dakota State's unseated team. You look at all like the advanced metrics and there are limited advanced metrics at the FCS level. But South Dakota State constantly comes up at like a, a top five team. So you look at them where the UC Davis is kind of, a, that's a really good opening draw. That's a um, team that, I mean, both of those teams within the last three weeks were a top four team. I would say there are two, I mean, you can make the argument for three, but there are like two opening weekend games that I would, here's what I'll say. There are two opening weekend games where I will probably check the score. I'm probably not going to watch them because it's rivalry weekend. When they are, can I guess? Yes. Yes. UC Davis, South Dakota State, Southern Illinois, South Dakota. That one is is maybe the third one I have, and then the the UNI Eastern Washington. Really, you care about five loss UNI? Hey, they're still pretty good though. Their wins are impressive, and uh, Eastern Washington's fun to watch. So that one's like maybe worthwhile. Normally, they're, they're all stinkers. They're definitely some stinkers. Sacred Heart and Holy Cross, for example. 
feel like um, Sacred Heart and Holy Cross somehow, some way, each year sneak into the playoffs and each year are a first-round matchup that makes you want to gouge your eyes out and never watch football again. <laughs> I like they've done some okay things. Holy Cross is, like, respectable or whatever. But, <laughs> but yeah, anyway. have to guess when this season, so. I love your South Dakota State pick. I'm, I'm honestly really tempted to take Sam Houston here. I feel like they're getting really overlooked. Like, and I think by myself included at times, but their schedule has not been that hard, but they do return a lot from a really good team. I know they kind of got some lucky results, but I feel like maybe they're fired up a little bit. It's, it's, I really just have no idea. I kind of think that, that South Dakota state has a really good chance. I still think JMU has a decent shot. Um, and I, I think North Dakota state maybe should be the favorite just based on to me, what feels like a pretty easy path to the semis. Yeah, I mean, what, you get Southern Illinois or South Dakota. They just beat South Dakota on Saturday. and you Or a Southern Illinois team that was kind of limping down the stretch. Looked yeah. like world beaters to start, but then just kind of faded late. And then if, if you beat them, you have ETSU, Davidson, or Kennesaw State. All frauds, just three frauds. Like not good <laughs> teams. And then, and then all of a sudden you're sitting – in the semifinals, your semifinals are your first real game, then that's got probably going to be between – also, I, this is a perfect segue to talk into the, the part of the bracket that JMU's in. They're going to be either playing Montana, UNI, or Eastern Washington in the quarters if they make it past Florida A&M or Southeastern Louisiana. Southeastern Louisiana has Cole Kelly, a Walter Payton Award finalist, so he can sling the rock there for Southeastern. Florida A&M, I believe, is the first HBCU to make the FCS playoffs in over five years. So that's a pretty awesome story there for them. Um, with that being said, I think JMU wins that that second-round game fairly easily. So the quarters is when it, it breaks down. And you and I, you mentioned it. I'm a little low on them because they're a five-loss team, got in over the likes of Rhode Island and others. Um, Eastern Washington at one point was like the number two team in the nation, right? Like they were up there in the rankings for a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then you have against Montana, Eastern Washington, Montana will probably be a great game. And I don't know if JMU's beating either one of those teams. Probably the biggest advantage they have is that it's a cross country flight for them. Yeah. Montana just beat up Montana state, right? <laughs> like, yeah. In the battle of the wild or what is it called? It's, it's something like that or a brawl or something. Brawl, brawl. wild. Yeah. But yeah, they're, they're really, really good. It's a tough draw. I think the, you mentioned that second round of Florida A&M or Southeastern Louisiana, probably a, a win there. And then I also think like December and Harrisonburg for both those teams might be a little bit of a temperature adjustment. So you got that going on, but like Montana is not going to be, a, it's probably warm for them. <laughs> they're they're like, probably oh, like, man, we need to bring out our tank tops and we're going to go sunbathe before the game. It's a tropical climate for them. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know. It's a really tough draw for a JMU team that I guess we should mention that they just like obliterated Towson to wrap up their, their CA yeah, days. Obliterated. You know, like, yeah. obli like Signetti ran the score up. It felt like. Yeah. 56 to 10. Like it was, and that maybe was like the score was closer than the game. Like they just crushed them. Wasn't really close at all. Um, they're playing well. Cole Johnson's playing well. I think the defense is doing some nice things. It's, you know, they can be home until the semifinals. It's just like, you probably have one game that they should pencil in as a win. And then you're going to be in a battle in the quarterfinals at home. And then realistically, you've got to go to the Fargo dome in the semis. And then if you get there, obviously you're going to have a chance, but you're probably playing a really solid team in the championship. So they're going to have to play three spectacular games, really solid performances to win it all. 
It's also worth mentioning, um, I'm very anti-North Dakota State this season, as has been evidenced, evidenced by my personal Twitter and what I tweet from Jamie Sports News. I think it's worth mentioning that the only way you can really decide who's the better team between North Dakota State and JMU is um, their record against similar opponents, and they both played Towson. JMU blew out Towson more so than North Dakota State did, so that's all I'm going to say. That I mean, so JMU should be the two seed, so that's all I'm saying. Homer take, Homer take. <laughs> they have better wins. Like, their resume in terms of, like, wins, I um, think is better. You could, there's some – I saw, I think it was Coach tweeted, like, some type of, like, advanced analytics or, or something out where, like – you could pick your argument to make it for, for Sam Houston, JMU or North Dakota. Like you would have a pretty airtight argument, whoever you picked on who should have been the two or one seed. So it was interesting to see like North Dakota state has technically more ranked wins, but the opponent average opponents, um, Winning percentage? Winning percentage. Thank you. Wow, that was terrible. Opponent winning percentage is better for JMU. Above 500, they're the only one. So, I mean, you could get really into the weeds. Granted, the only team JMU played that had a good winning percentage was Villanova, and they lost by one. But you could also say Ethan Rackey doesn't miss those two kids. I I won't get into the weeds too much. This is a quick podcast. I think for me, like the – I guess the quick reaction to, like, the number three seed, I saw some JMU fans were like, oh, they're going to rob us to the two. Jamie played one team that's in the playoffs and they lost at home to them. I know it was like a one-point game. It was really close. They've blown out a bunch of other teams. Like, there's more to it than that. But you can't really complain, in my opinion, about being a top three seed when you played one team in the field and they beat you. You want to hear my take? I had talked myself into it over the that week or the couple of days or hours between Towson and JMU and, and the yeah. selection Sunday. I talked myself into them getting a four seed, and I was pissed when they got the three because I was looking at the four and I was like, that would have been so nice to have a home matchup with Villanova and the, assuming everything else kind of stayed the same, but that's also assuming then Villanova's the three kind of. So I was kind of pissed we didn't get the four. I would have rather had a lower seed be the four and not face North Dakota State until the national championship, assuming both teams make it there. But that, that isn't an assumption you should make looking at this field. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I think the geography makes it interesting too right because if jmu was the four they probably wouldn't have like a uc davis south dakota state yeah ask that that first part holy cross yeah they'd have something like that or that yeah or they maybe would stick with what they have with the like florida a&m south so i'm not thrilled about montana in the quarterfinals as someone who wants to see jamie win a national championship like to me that's a frightening matchup with a team that's really good uh, i think like you mentioned the travel for montana is definitely a benefit to the dukes but the home field advantage, at least for JMU, was like kind of not totally negated, but it's definitely limited, right? The playoff crowds are historically not particularly close to regular season crowds. It's probably under 20,000 for all of them. 2019's playoff crowds were pretty terrible. Like, I don't think they got over 12 or 13,000. So it's not going to be quite as intense. The people that are there are going to make it, make it good. So I think the Montana one will probably have, you know, 10,000 really engaged fans or whatever. And I don't know. There is something exciting from a fan perspective about them possibly playing in the Fargo dome. It's just from like a, a strict, like winning feel. I don't know if it sets up well. Like I, I don't know about you, but I don't, I look at this. I don't expect Jamie to win a national championship based on the draw. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't expect a national championship. It's also worth noting that when that quarterfinal will be played will be the weekend of December 11th, which yeah. is final exams. Um, 
which we saw, I think it was against the Mon- it was the Monmouth game a few years ago. <laughs> the attendance was absolutely horrid. Yeah, they were studying. Because they were all they're, studying. Yeah, they, they were, were all studying. studying. It wasn't the darties that were going on. It wasn't the dages. It was the studying that was happening. Um, so that, that's just something worth noting, that in the biggest game of the season, it is finals. And historically, when it's finals week, weekend, uh, it's one of the worst turnouts of the season. Um, yeah, so it's probably not great. Was your question, do I expect them to win a national championship based on Yeah, what do, you, what do you feel off the draw? What's kind of the expectation or, or what would you like to see? I would be thrilled if we made it to Fargo, North Dakota. Honestly, it's insane. I would be absolute. I think we can give them a fight. I think the way this team plays can kind of travel, and I think it might give North Dakota State some fits. I don't think North Dakota State, the Bison, have really seen a JMU type of offense this season a term in, in terms of an elite offense with an elite signal caller and two elite wideouts running game leaves a little bit to be desired due to injuries, but I don't think North Dakota state's necessarily played as top tier of an offense as JMU has as JMU is with that being said, I don't know if you can Fargo is just a darn hard place to play. Like I think JMU fans, I think it warps our, our minds because our one game there, we won. That's not the case. Like there's a reason North Dakota state has won so many national championships. So. Yeah, I mean, I think that's right. It's everyone's first memory when they think of the Fargo Dome is 2016, where it's like, we beat them. <laughs> we'll just go there again. But it's it's really hard. Although I will say, Antoine Wells and Chris Thornton in a dome makes me so excited. Like, that speed is legit. You put them there with no elements at all. I really like that. Also, I kind of like Ratke in a dome. Like, there's no wind, and you've got the best. Like, I think they could score. I'll say that. I think they could score. I, here's the thing. I think the quarters are going to be tougher than the semis. Now I'm not saying the semis are an automatic win. And then we're going to the national. If we make it to let's get to Fargo. That's what we wanted. Like that's no, it's still going to be a darn hard game. And I think both of these, here's the, here's, here's my crazy thought. I think we're underdogs in the quarters and semis. Like if Vegas is making a line, I think Vegas makes us dogs. I think they will be favorites against Montana. But it's gonna. Be, I think it'll be like within a touchdown, and I do think they would be dogs in the Fargo Dome for sure. I think Montana would be a very trendy pick too to beat JMU with like you look at like the national writers, you know, the national hate. JMU always gets the national hatred. But um, no, I mean, I, <laughs> I think I think both those would be really challenging games, and um, I don't know. It's gonna be kind of a dogfight. I feel like the left side of the bracket which at least how I'm looking at it on this website, the left side, you got Sam Houston, Montana state, Villanova and Sacramento state as seeds. I don't know. That just doesn't seem. State is a shocking seed. I do want to say that an absolutely. You were shocked. Mind boggling seed. Yes. I thought they were going to, I thought they were going to have four big sky seeds. Sorry. When I say seeds, I mean, top four. Mind boggling that they're top four. I think you can make a case that, yeah, that, that maybe Villanova sneaks in over them. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know enough about that. The argument that Eastern Washington should sneak over them. That's a good team, yeah. Which is also in the same area as JMU. Like, like we're talking about like it's a Montana almost completely penciled in. To, 
Montana has a dog fight in the winter of UNI Eastern oh. Washington too. Like it is yeah. not a guaranteed Montana's coming to Bridgeworth. And I would honestly, I would be worried if Eric Barrier or however you pronounce his name, the Eastern Washington, I would rather face Montana than Eastern Washington. If Eastern Washington beats UNI and then goes to Montana and wins, and then they're going to Harrisonburg with their offense that scores like 60 a game, I would be worried about JMU's secondary. Yes, that would, <laughs> that would concern me. So it's going to be uh, – I think it'll be fun. The podcast should be really enjoyable to kind of analyze some of these matchups. Again, I think they'll get through that first one. And that's really my only expectation is that they beat that first team, and then everything after that I'd be really pumped about. Like they beat Montana or whoever is in that game and, and go farther, that'd be awesome. Hopefully they do play in the Fargo Dome. I think that'd be a cool experience. But, hey, if, if East Tennessee State wants to win in the Fargo Dome – I'm fine with that. If Jamie somehow manages to find its way to the Fargo Dome on in the semis, what would that be? Then the weekend before Christmas. If anyone yeah, wanted to give us an early Christmas present, I think Bennett and I would be more than willing to fly out to Fargo, North Dakota, and uh, cover that game. We will go. <laughs> we will go. If someone wants to pay for those tickets and get us out there, we will go. Um, this is our plea to everyone. Um, so moving on from football, unless you have anything else you want to hit on. No, looking forward to the playoffs. It's going to be a lot of fun. Basketball, they just dropped to Kent State in a game that I think you can describe as drunk. Game of runs, big-time runs, back and forth. Jamie drops its first game of the season. But I really want to talk more about the Mason game because I think that might go down as the – unless they can find a way to beat UVA, which isn't completely off the table, um, but not probable, Mason might be the biggest win of the season. Schedule sucks. Like that's one of the things that stands out. It's like they have really no chances for marquee wins because the the conference they play in is is bad. So there's like 18 games there that are just not great games. Doesn't Old Dom- a loss only hurts you. It's like what happens. Yes. Old Dominion win was fine, but Old Dominion also has like a 40 point loss to Indiana State where they scored 36 points. I don't think ODU's good. They seem very offensively challenged. So yeah, Mason they beat Maryland like what two days prior that game so for jmu to win that game and and maybe not even play its best i listened to it on the radio uh, the whole thing while i was on a drive and it felt like every two seconds it was like mason turns the ball over jmu throws it back and mason throws it right back <laughs> so that i was like what are they doing but yeah they won and the the crowd from the highlights looked pretty darn cool yeah it was a great game i only caught kind of like the final few minutes of it i was following along on espn's kind of points i looked down at halftime i was at a friend's giving and i go oh we're up at half like we very and then i sneakily like put it on my phone in my lap and i'm watching it as like i'm trying to be with everyone at this friend's giving and i'm just keep I'm like yes let's go it was a, it was a great finish it was a fantastic clutch chuck yeah. is uh, that's my nickname you know it's clutch chuck he was clutch today too against kent state he's hit some big ones and then uh vato morse he had a huge three put him up put him up two there late he just pulls up in the guy's grill and uh get in the mason game he's kind of hit or miss so interested to see how he <laughs> develops a little, streaky, little streaky this season little streaky where he'll go out and go like seven of ten from three and just kill a team and then he'll also go like two of nine i think he was today the whole team three-point shooting has been kind of bad this year to be honest with you also turnovers so the fact that they are four and one is kind of kind of a modern miracle well i was describing it to you over text as they're down 11 to kent state or it was right before kent state went on their run and it, to go up 11 and i was like this team's just scrappy there's something about them where like 
you can't put them away. And maybe it's what came English, the head coach of George Mason was talking about, where it's just like, it's hard to play them because every night is a tournament game for them. Uh, yeah. Paraphrasing what Kim English said, something along those lines, but they just don't go away. Kent state goes up 11. JMU decides to finally play good basketball and they go on a 13 zero run. And then they take a two point lead and then Kent State comes back. They open up another eight-point lead. But then JMU comes back again and pulls within two with, like, 50 seconds left. And I think they end up <laughs> losing by, like, six or something. But heck of a heck of a game. And it's just – I always forget how the, um, the preseason basketball tournaments are. This is legitimately like a high school gym, and they're filming it on what appear to be iPhones. But it, like <laughs> – I don't mind it being in a high school gym. Do not I get it. I get that it's the pre this is the weird beginning of the season tournaments. Flow sucks. <laughs> this the their camera angle they have set. I'm paying $12 a month for this. The camera angle doesn't get the full off. I don't I can they go back far enough? That's like the gym's so small. I wonder if it they is, have to like put a couple platforms up at the top of it like cuz I think they're it, yeah. at the back of it get it higher because you're they're like head level with the bench so when they're standing up when they're hitting a three they cover it's, the shoes <laughs> i'm like i don't know what happened it's weird to watch but it was it was fun you're probably listening to this maybe on a tuesday or later but i will say the tuesday game they play right state right state is awesome right so you've got a team in right state that also can't shoot the three but much like jmu they fly both these teams are top 30 ken palm in pace so they're gonna be flying in tempo tomorrow running up and down bricking threes i can't wait turning the ball over throwing it back and forth to each other across the timeline you have it no you have it right state also cannot play defense like they are horrible defensively marshall scored 96 against them purdue got 96 gw which is struggling a little bit got 74 so it could be uh could be just a hectic shootout they're an interesting team and like ken palm top 150 but uh the shooting has not been there. It's just pace right now for them. Where's JMU in the Ken Palm? Uh, JMU's at 173. Okay. Not terrible. Yeah, so uh, I don't I don't hate that for them. But they're they're flying right now up and down the court, JMU is. And uh, one of the worst shooting, three-point shooting in turnover teams in the country. So good thing they're going fast. <laughs> Jesus. Do you think there'll be a regression to the mean and they'll start hitting these threes? Do you think they're just still – because, I mean, half the offense is new players that they didn't have last season, so there's still kind of that learning curve. Do you think eventually they'll figure it out? Like, why is Molson pulling up from three with 30 seconds left to tie when you have fallen in more? Like, Yeah, I like, I like Molson attacking a little more, but, like, I think last year I made the comment early on that was, like, they're a small ball team that can't shoot. But then as the year went on, they, like, started shooting. I think with Hodge, um, Votto is going to hit more shots. Morris is going to hit more shots. Um, who's the uh, – who else? Falden's a really good three-point shooter. Falden's I like him. darn good. For three. I want him to but, get more shots. I want him to be the team leader. Like, that's just because if he took more shots, he might not be as efficient. But He's a good one. Wooden shoots it all right. So I think they'll they'll find a way to figure it out. But they're – they're fun to watch. I'll say that the women's team, I saw they bounced back with a win. I think they're two and two now. So both teams score a lot and try to run, which is like from a fan perspective is very enjoyable. Both of them um, also turn it over a lot. Yeah. If they could get like more efficient with the tempo, it'd be, a, it'd be even more fun to watch. Feels like every time they're running up the court, they're just throwing it away at someone's feet. 
they're they're right they're four and one and there's a they could be like one and four with some of these results but they also probably could be five and oh with like really impressive wins if they just like stop throwing the ball away yeah very true um well anything else you have to add i know this is kind of a quick hitter pot i think under five minutes good for us i think that's all i've got well jmu football will begin its national title quest not this weekend, but the weekend of December 4th. We'll know when they play exactly after this weekend's games. They'll be either playing Florida A&M or Southeastern Louisiana. Um, who's your pick in that game, Florida A&M or Southeastern Louisiana? I think Southeastern Louisiana had a pretty solid run there for a bit. So I'll say they get through. I agree. I think when you have a quarterback, especially in the first round of the FCS playoffs, a quarterback that's one of the best in the nation, you'll probably get out come away with the win so it could be uh could be you know a lot of scouts of that game cole johnson as we all know is probably a first round talent he's playing really well yeah quickly quickly touch on that you tweeted something out just i feel like we need to quickly touch on cole johnson's play to finish the season his stats are crazy so the last four games he's completing 69 percent of his passes nice nice 316 passing yards per game he's had 19 total touchdowns i think 17 of those are through the air and he hasn't thrown a pick so he's been he's been darn good his stats in the year he's got like 32 passing touchdowns i think which is what a single season record and two interceptions he's basically trey lance so he should go third to the 49ers they should say trey we appreciate it but you're not developed enough we'd rather have the 29 year old cole johnson 33 year old whatever he is, 42 if, if cole johnson comes back next year somehow they'll find a way to get another <laughs> another season out of him <laughs> Well, for Bennett Conlin, my name's Jack Fitzpatrick. This has been the JMU Sports News Podcast presented by Bet Online. You guys have a wonderful rest of your day. See ya. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.